Welcome to Red Inca. I'm Jared Kimber. Let's start with Afghanistan. I think we saw a glimpse against England of what this team can be at its best. And it is really good. I mean, I, I think sometimes people get a little bit sucked in by their bowling lineup, which is fine. It's very, very good. Uh, we Some weird part-time stuff going on with their seamers at the moment, but we could kind of move on. But in general, they've got, you know, four or five very, very good bowlers uh, available to them. And when their batters work, they can be amazing. But their batters don't always work. And that's okay. They, they, these are how these things go. It's, you know, they're still a team in development. Um, you know, even Bangladesh, who has better batting, they've never, I don't think Bangladesh has ever been in the top, you know, four or five batting teams in the world, right? You know, it's it's a big step up to get to that point. Um, and, you know, so when Gabaz goes absolutely, you know, crazy cocoa bananas, then they look like a different team. Their middle order, sort of three, four, five, I suppose, is certainly getting to a point where they are better at knocking the ball around and extending the innings. And then, of course, you uh, you know um, you have the tail, which can deal, still do some things. But it's not yet a team that should win consistently. It is exactly, I think, what I've been calling them for a while now. Just this really well-stocked spoiler team, a, a team which if it gets it together, can be far more dangerous than it should be. But for most teams, you should still beat them quite comfortably. However, they beat England. I thought that was a really, really good performance. Kind of propped up by one batter at the top and and, uh, one batter on the tail, but they still made a good score. And then they bowled exceptionally. And so we know when they get anywhere near par, they certainly keep themselves in the game. But they probably should have won the game against New Zealand too. Now, maybe that's stretching it only because... There was a long way to go and, and everything. And, and and New Zealand probably would have found a way to work themselves back into it, although they still might not have won it. However, uh, the, the dropping of the catches for Afghanistan. I, I would say that Afghanistan and, and Australia have both been absolutely terrible at taking catches. That's, I was going to say it's okay. It's never okay. But if you're a team who is not reliant on taking wickets, if you're a team that is more economy-based with your bowling or you have a fantastic batting lineup, Catches are what they are. It's still annoying. Sucks the wind out of you a little bit, especially when you drop as many as Afghanistan did against New Zealand. But the real issue here has to be uh, that you've got a team who needs to take wickets um, to beat you. So I think there's a big, big difference there. And, uh, you know, they certainly had an issue uh, with that. And we can get on to Australia now, uh, which is exactly the same. I, I think, again, I was a bit shocked when Crickviz said that Australia had created, I think it was the second most chances um, so far in the tournament. I think that was after every team had played three games. And I suppose it kind of makes sense uh, based on just all the chances that they dropped in the uh, South Africa game. But I still think they were bowling fairly defensively. And I and I do believe that, well, obviously the Virat Kohli catch and uh, I can't remember which early, which early South African batter it would have been had changed things. Uh, would have made it different, but I still don't think that bowling was completely bowling for wickets. So you start the Sri Lanka game, and the same thing happens again. You know, big opening partnership. Looks like the game's gotten away from them completely. You know, what what were we fifteen overs in? So about I don't know hundred and. Uh, 215 overs into the tournament and it looked like Australia was going home uh, without a semi-final place and not even going to get close to one. 
And then they turn it around. And I do think they were quite attacking with the ball after that. And I do think they took some chances, especially with the short ball. I still don't know how good Australia are. They they beat Lanka, who they should have beaten. Um, it, it, it's one of those things where you they would have been panicking. They'll be looking for answers and everything. But sometimes it's just a schedule thing. That, that's not to say that they shouldn't have at least split the, the first two games and um, you know won one of those, especially if you're factoring the drops. But but what I am saying is that it, it is sometimes just as simple as who are you playing and you know are you playing them? Uh, are you playing the weaker teams or the better teams? We'll get to New Zealand later because it's a really good example of that, and Pakistan's probably another very good example of that. That doesn't mean that these teams don't have levels and. Uh, you know, uh, maybe they can't be as successful as they should be and all those sorts of things. But there is certainly a case of, you know, for Australia, as bad as things were going, I looked at the schedule and I went, well, they'll be one and two. And the next two games uh, is Pakistan and Netherlands. They could be three and two. And then they're a very good chance of going through the, the semifinals or at least fighting for it properly. Or they're two and three. And, you know, uh, they're probably in a more similar situation to England at that point. Um, but for them, you've got it, the first win probably doesn't have to be that glorious. The first one just has to be in the book. There is a, otherwise, if they, you know, zero and three, that's it. It doesn't matter. But also just from a confidence point of view, um, they just had to get that one away. And the fact that they fought back in that game after, I suppose they fought back slightly against India. And I actually think about it, they fought back slightly against South Africa too. You know, with India, they fought back with the, the ball. And with South Africa, I thought they bowled well at the death. So there are signs there, but they're a long way away from, you know, anyone being completely worried about them. Although at one stage today, they were second favorites for the tournament. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Bangladesh, uh, look, their top order is really, really disappointing. And you hate to harp on things like Tamun Iqbal not being available, uh, but he's not. <laughs> You know, and him and Shaky Belasan can have all the arguments they want in the world, but it's a big issue and it is certainly causing them problems when they play the better teams. Now, it could be dumb luck that they lost their top order two games in a, in a row. And the Afghanistan game, I thought they were really, I think professional is the best way of putting it, you know, really thorough with the way they played. But they've let themselves down in the last couple of games. And we, you know, having seen how England played since then, I think Bangladesh would be very, very disappointing um, when it comes to that. The problem for Bangladesh is they're one and two. They've just lost their top order twice, and now they've got two really tough games coming up. Uh, if they're one and four, it means, again, they won't feel as confident going into the, the final uh, uh, array of their games, which is they've got Sri Lanka and Netherlands, and they're going to want three wins, right? They're gonna, probably going to want four wins, but they're going to want three wins. And with, with how they are going at the moment, it's harder to see that just – the the tiers when it comes to the ODI cricket, the tiers really seem to be the teams who can make three twenty plus. And I don't mean on a good day; I just mean they can make three twenty plus as a fairly regular occurrence. And the teams who can't do that—that that doesn't mean that Bangladesh and Afghanistan um, and Sri Lanka don't have other things going for them, but they don't have that. Uh, England, so they lost to Afghanistan, which was—it seemed as someone I, I was. I was riding on that game and I remember thinking to myself, around, around the time they got past 240, they're not that far away here, Afghanistan, from putting real pressure on England. And I'm not sure I would have felt that way in 2019. doesn't mean that Afghanistan wouldn't have won that game in 2019 or any, anything of that nature. But I don't think in 2019 I would have been sitting there going, ooh, um, 
England's going to be in trouble here. But you just looked at that lineup in the middle. And the, the interesting thing about it was that Harry Brook made the runs. And he was probably one of the reasons I felt slightly less secure, just because, look, I, I like what I have seen and what I can trust and what I understand. And it took me a long time to fully come on board with the England team. Um, although, you know, they were quite exciting from early on, but, you know, to trust them and to understand them. Uh, but that route, Morgan Stokes middle, was absolutely incredible. And you looked at this Afghanistan chase and you just thought it's just not the same, right? There's nothing wrong with Butler at five and there's nothing wrong with Brooke at four, but it's not the same kind of batting lineup. It doesn't look impenetrable is wrong of those other three. They were all averaging, you know, north of 40 while scoring at a run ball. So you're talking about 120 runs off 120 balls without anything from the openers, without anything from Josh Butler. That's a fairly normal thing. And it was tested around the world and we knew that they could kick on. Uh, they weren't going to chew up balls. All those, All the good things that they had going for them. And it just doesn't feel like that anymore. And that's their strength. The bowling, I, th- I think I've been saying from even before the tournament, from overs 10 to, four, uh, 10 to 50, it's not what it used to be. They don't have a good death bowler. They, Adil Rashid is clearly not what it used to be. I think he's bowled fine in this tournament, but it's clearly not what it used to be. Mo and Ali's already been dropped. Um, Mark Wood is a really good bowler, but I'm not sure he is a replacement for Liam Plunkett. And he certainly isn't, hasn't been tested and tried in that position as much as Liam Plunkett. So I think there are some issues there. Then you've got the fact that the salt, Sam Curran and Chris Wokes, who should be suited to bowling at the top, have just not bowled well. Sam Curran, and I don't know who's been worse out of the two of them. They wrote, both really, really struggled at times. And I'm sure if I was an England fan, I'd be absolutely frustrated. And the fact that so after first game, they had to make the the change for Reese Topley. I don't think that was a tactical decision, as in, oh, in this game we need Reese Topley. I think they were looking at their lineup, going, we can't really rely on Sam Curran, and Chris Wokes is not in great form, and Mark Wood has already got another role. We need someone else, and it was kind of what I talked about before the tournament that they had the extra bowlers in their squad, in part because when they looked at it, they didn't quite trust their seam bowling as much as they should have. And that's completely come up. And they've, you know, they've already gone away from the magical long batting lineup uh, with Mo and Ali in it. Sam Curran maybe next as well. They're going to have to make some really, really uh, hard choices coming up. And, um, you know, I, I don't, if they're not batting in the way that we expect them to be able to bat, it's tough, right? It's really, really tough. Um, all right. Uh, India. I've been thinking about this so much of what their main issue is. Like, what is it about India that would bother you as a fan? And I don't mean Indian fans because they're going to be bothered anyway. And they, you know, they've got the, the all the history since 2013. Uh, 2013? Yeah, 2013. But I mean, if I was a fan of Indian team, that, that's kind of what I do with teams sometimes. I, you know, uh, you try and think of how you would feel about certain things. Like if I'm a New Zealand fan, how do I feel about this? And if I'm a New Zealand fan, how do I feel about that? With India, I've been thinking about this a lot. There's no real obvious thing that would make me feel like this team cannot win the World Cup. And there's no real obvious thing that makes me feel that this is not, not the best team in the World Cup at the moment. The Shardul Takur thing is, is interesting, the best way of putting it. Uh, only because he is such a fascinating 
player and he's playing in such a, uh, an incredible role. I know that we've, we've seen a World Cup game where New Zealand went in with five players and won, but India choosing to go in with essentially 10 players to make their batters feel better. Well, Hardik is just a better bowler than Shuttle, I think, in, in this format. Maybe not in tests, um, but probably in white ball cricket, I believe that. Um, uh, and I like Shuttle's bowling in, in white ball at times in, in certain ways. I think he can be quite clever in the middle overs. I think Hardik's just a little bit faster, a little bit more accurate, a little bit smarter, perhaps, uh, with, with what he does. Um, and, and, and so if that's your biggest, I mean, the biggest problem at the moment is whether he's keeping out Muhammad Shami or R. Ashwin. It's a really, really interesting problem to have, right? But everything seems to be going quite sweetly. We've had what there, I want to say, well, obviously, Shubman Gill coming back from illness. So Ishan Kishan perhaps was an issue. Trace Ayers looked okay, although he hasn't faced that many balls. But everyone else in the top five has looked pretty good. Um, Jadeja's back to the kind of form that you would want him to be. Cool Deep's looking just as good as he did before the World Cup. Bumrah is back to peak Bumrah-ness. Um, Mohamed Siraj is maybe a concern. But I think part of his problems, I think I wrote this for the Cricket Times, but I think part of his problems is that he's searching for wickets, but only a little bit fuller. And I think this is a plan. I, I, I think th- this is one, another reason why I like what India are doing, even when it doesn't work perfectly, is that India seem to be in a situation where they realize, unlike Australia, that they do have to push that a little bit harder for wickets. Um, it makes their life easier. And I, I've talked about this a lot before in, in limited overs cricket. It allows you to win on both sides of the ball. And I think that, you know, it's not always how teams have traditionally thought about things. And sometimes teams, you know, think about it from a batting perspective or a bowling perspective or whatever that may be. But actually, you know, one of your best bets is uh, even if you are outscoring oppositions to also be able to take wickets. Um, you don't have to go to the extremes of England where you try to outscore everyone and also risk as many wickets as possible. But a nice, healthy combination of both. And Bumrah's going to get wickets anyway. Cool Dip's going to get wickets anyway. Um, Hardik's been really good in the middle overs as well. Jadeja on spinning wickets will be fine and on non-spinning wickets will have a low economy. There's a, and, and Shadow will probably take wickets as well uh, with, when he bowls, if he bowls. But having someone whose job it is to try and take the wickets, who isn't worried about anything else, and we've seen he's been a brilliant strike bowler, has worked so far. And let's say it doesn't work. They'll just bring Mohamed Shami in, right? No, it's not a bad position to be in. It's not exactly uh, Australia. Well, is Australia the right answer there? Um, I'm trying to think of another team. It's not um, It's not Hasaranga being out and uh, having to get Dan and Jay De Silva to bowl more overs, is it? You know, so it's a slightly different situation that we've, uh, we find there. Uh, anyway, we'll have a quick break and we'll come back with the next five teams. You're listening to Red Inca. I'm Jared Kimber. And thank you very much for all your support and your comments and your subscribing and everything. If you're listening on a podcast app, you know, there's always a way to review or leave comments or anything like that. Please do. Um, all these things help us so much. Uh, and I'll be back. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, 
Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Just a shout out to everyone who's in the comments again tonight. Uh Keshuv, uh Rishi, Carl, uh Kush, uh Subajit. Um, so yeah, really some really interesting things there. Um let's have a look. Uh Carl said that he was uh, impressed with Phillips's composure. Uh the uh I, I think he's had that for a while. I think just at the top level, even in the IPL and um uh internationals and world cups for New Zealand, we haven't quite seen it, but if you've seen enough of Phillips, you know that he's not just uh, a guy who comes in and, and bashes it a little bit. Uh, Subrajit says, there are many players who have better skill and talent than Virat Kohli. Though <laughs> no, there are not. There are not many players that, that have that. And I understand what you're saying. You're saying, you know, he's a perfectionist and he does all those other things. No, technically, and the way he sees the ball is on a different level than, you know, even, even, even amongst great players. Um, He's on a different level uh, from that perspective. Uh, who else is in the room there? Uh, all things cinema is in there again. Uh, Percy's in there. Percy doesn't like the uh, long knockout. Uh, uh, sorry, the long round Robin followed by the knockout. I think that's fair. I don't. I mean, I would say this is a particularly good one. And Happy's there as well. Um, uh, so thank you to all them. But let's get to New Zealand. We're up to New Zealand. Yeah, we did India. Um, I think that the the most exciting thing I would feel if I was a New Zealand fan is the middle overs because you know. Myself and Dylan did the podcast about it. We didn't believe that this was going to be a strength. Lockie just hasn't been bowling well for a very, very long time for New Zealand and certainly been an issue um, in IPLs. We've seen it. I think I've seen him in some of the other leagues as well. He just hasn't looked like Lockie. And then Santner had struggled a little bit as well. And again, I kind of think with Santner that he was always going to be slightly better in these conditions. Um it's been very finger spin friendly, which you would expect in India, but we didn't know if they're going to be batting wickets or finger spin friendly, but uh, it's probably been slightly towards the finger spin friendly rather than the batting wickets. Uh, you know, we saw him get out Nabi today with a ball that, you know, I don't, eh, took a puff of dust, pitched on middle and leg and took the top of off, right? You know, just that is a fantastic delivery from a really good bowler. But I thought he would have been economical. He's gone well beyond that, and he's taken wickets. And that was the important thing. Him and Lockyer both taking wickets in that middle bit, which allows them to bowl Ravindra and um, Phillips. And to be honest, Ravindra hasn't taken a lot of wickets, but he hasn't been horrendous. He's had some moments where he's bowled bad ball, but he hasn't been consistently horrendous. And Phillips virtually never bowls and takes a wicket almost every time he does. So at the moment, all of that is working. And that, for me, upgrades their chances of winning so much because that was the thing I couldn't get my head around. If that didn't work, uh, and I, I was kind of thinking to myself, if Santa um, does well or if Lockie does well, I would upgrade the chances of this team. The fact that both is uh, doing well is incredible. I want to see, I mean, Santa's taking the majority of his wickets against the poorer teams, whether he can hold up his wicket-taking against the better teams. Um, England, I think he has two against. So and this also comes back to, the the fact that we don't know how good New Zealand is at the moment because they have had a little bit of an easier um, schedule so far. They've already they played the Netherlands, um, they played the Netherlands, Afghanistan, and Bangladesh. So the rest of their tournament, we're going to find out. I, I see a lot of people saying things like, "Oh, this is going to be." Uh, I think someone might have put it in the comments. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, you know, do you think it's going to be uh, India, South Africa, um, New, uh, or New Zealand in the final? 
I think we've already seen South Africa struggle in a chase. That was one of the the question marks I would have had uh, with them before. And then, and then we've got a situation where um, New Zealand just haven't really been tested outside of that first game against England. And I'm not, I don't want to say that's a fluke. They did play the reigning champions and they smashed them. So they deserve that credit. But it was a bit of a weird game in the way that it played out and, and everything else. Uh, they're, you know, they're about to get to the really interesting part of their schedule. They should qualify anyway because they only need what, one more win maybe with their net run rate or certainly two more wins. But how good are they? I think we will find out uh, very, very soon. You know, they've got India and Australia coming up. Um, and the only other interesting thing with them, of course, is Kane Williamson. It's funny how so many people are now thinking that Latham is the better leader. And, and Latham's a different kind of captain. I think that's very fair. He's a bit more proactive and a little bit more loud with his decision-making. And generally, that's what casual fans notice. I'm not casual fans. That's what cricket fans notice. And, you know, Shane Warmer's a bit like that. I think we like to see something happening. And when a captain is maybe better at making things happen subtly, it's harder for that to even register with us. I think Latham's been a bit like that. But I do think that no matter what happens, this is good for Williamson. Gives him a month off to heal that knee. He certainly wasn't fit enough to play in that other game. I know he made run. He certainly shouldn't have been out there. I would have retired him because of how his knee looked rather than waiting for his thumb to get broken. That was a bit unlucky, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I do think over the next couple of games, it'd be really interesting to see how they go. If they split, in, if they lose to India and beat Australia, um, there's absolutely, you know, from a f- finals perspective, they're, they're golden. Um, if they split it the other way and they beat India and, and they lose to Australia, then, you know, they're maybe not favourites ahead of India, but they're certainly in that bracket. So very interesting for them going ahead. Uh, Netherlands. Uh, so the South African win was absolutely joyous. Uh, we, we did a big video on this channel, on the um, Jared Kimber YouTube um, podcast channel the other night about it. Go and have a look. We talk, I talked a lot about the history and why it was important to the players and uh, you know where they've come from and how they've improved and all these sorts of things. But it was a messy, messy game. Right? I, I mean, I love it. This is Netherlands are becoming the experts in the messy win. Like if you go back to that West Indies game, um, and there was another one I think they had in, that, in those qualifiers as well. But their top warning di- did collapse here. You know, Tail and Scott Edwards completely saved them. Um, and they pulled themselves back and then gave themselves a chance. And I think, what's that, the, maybe the third game or was it the second game that they've given themselves a really good chance in? You know, the Pakistan game. I thought they played okay against New Zealand. So this, this must be their third game then, is it? Um, they haven't been bad at all. They've been really good. They've just, I think they just lack, again, I think it goes back to that runs thing, the ability to make a score whether you're batting first or batting second, that can put pressure on the opposition. So when they were chasing 300 against Pakistan or whatever it was, roughly around that total, they had an okay base, but I don't think they'd ever got to the point to put the pressure back on Pakistan. And when Harris Raf came in, um, he could do that from a position of strength. They, that's probably one thing that they need to be able to do with their batting. And I have noticed that when you do an analysis on them, so many dot balls... And they really struggle with um, scoring singles as well. That strike rotation just to buy themselves a couple of minutes, I think would be really, really important for them coming ahead. But, you know, certainly improving um, everywhere. Um, And as we're talking about Scott Edwards, we talked about the loud captaincy before, but I think he does some of the quieter bits good too. For instance, the um, he's very good at research. The players love playing for him. Uh, You know, we've heard all this. He's making that bowling lineup work. And let's be honest, it probably shouldn't work. Aaron Dutt, 
probably shouldn't be able to bowl 10 overs in a game. Colin Ackerman's burgling a few. Roloff should be a second slash maybe even a third spinner at this stage. He's using him really well. Occasionally it's gone wrong, but he's got, done very well. And the seamers, you know, uh, mixing, matching in them. Uh, I, I like a lot of the stuff that Scott Woods has done so far. Um, and, he, you know, I don't think there's any player who's enhanced his reputation more. But just that South Africa win, I think that was the one I had penciled in for them um, because it was at uh, Dharamashala. And I thought those conditions would favor them a little bit more. Is that right? I'm trying to remember all the different estimate games in this tournament. Um, but I think that was one that I had penciled in as a, as a chance for them. Plus, they have they know the South African players really well. Um, they beat them in that other World Cup. A lot of them grew up with them or trained with them or you know have had a relationship with them one way or another. Um, so there's a big, big advantages when playing that side compared to playing some of the others. Pakistan. I remember during that when I was doing my power list, I had real trouble with them, and Australia and England were going everywhere. I still felt that Australia and England were better teams than Pakistan, not in better form, and may not, still not come on because there are parts of the Pakistan game I really, really like. I mean, I love the fact that they should be able to score three hundred kind of on autopilot. Although maybe that's what they tried to do against India, um, and that was part of their problems. But there are parts of that. I, I, you know, I don't think Shaheen is at full strength, and Shadab Khan. I'm not sure he'll still be a frontline bowler by the end of this tournament. I, I, he just needs to go off and work on his game, and he's in the middle of a World Cup, and it's not ideal. I think Rizwan, uh, uh, Rizwan and um, Saul Shaquille um, and Baba, that 3-4-5 is really, really interesting to me um, and their ability to make runs. Um, so I'm not real, and, and obviously the openers as well. Uh, Shafiq played that really good knock, and Imam hasn't made as many runs, but we know over a long period of time he has. So that sort of five, that top five, is really, really strong and should give them the runs. But you just when you go over to the bowling, Hassan Ali has taken wickets, but I'm not sure. I I think his wobble ball's been good, but he's just lacking that little bit of pace. Harris Ruff is going to take wickets occasionally, and will take them in, in spurts, and they will win games. Um, but it probably needs, you know, either peak Shaheen or peak Nazim Shah around him. Um, it just feels like I've got lots of I feel like they've got lots of holes now and perhaps what they can do is just go on a run with their batting lineup and make 300 plus you know a bunch of times and that will give their bowls enough chance to, to come home I'm not feeling it at the moment and yeah I'm certainly not 100% confident that that is going to happen South Africa so on in the power list I had I had India first and then originally I had South Africa second and New Zealand third so I went to my team, you know, CS, Cheyenne, Bayram, Ari, all these different guys who, who, you know, work with us. And they all had New Zealand second. And I was like, oh, maybe I've got this. Um, maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe I've misunderstood something here. And I went back and I thought, oh, well, South Africa didn't actually bat a bowl that well against Sri Lanka. And then they batted well against Australia, but I still felt they left a lot of runs out there um, in the way they went about it. And I couldn't decide. And then New Zealand hadn't played as many good sides, of course. It was the England win, which I was finding hard to kind of work out in my head. And so in the end, I went with New Zealand just because I, the other guys in the team um, all went that way. And now where when the South Africa lost, I thought, I wondered if this was one of the things in the back of my mind. Because if you go back to what I was writing about a year ago on them all, 10 months ago, when I was writing a lot about them, I, I was commentating some games. I just felt that they're not having a number seven. Sorry, Marco. But, you know, they're not, they're not having any batting after number seven, certainly. And the way that they go about, it makes sense in bilateral games. 
And I'm not sure it makes sense in knockout games. And I do think in knockout games, you want to give your bats, your batters more confidence to play their shots. You don't want them going slightly within themselves. And once you are chasing and you lose three wickets, and we've seen South Africa put on some massive totals when they've lost three, four wickets, um, you know, in, in, inside the first 30 overs. But quite often those totals have been batting first. And the chasing side of it does feel a little bit different. We know they don't have as good a record uh, chasing of recent times. I don't know if it's just that. Um, but th- the other thing is just their bowling. I, th- I love their bowlers all individually, but there's something about it that is not clicking correctly at the moment. And also, they don't feel that confident with Shamsi, which makes me wonder about Shamsi a little bit more as well, um, when I think Shamsi should be taking wickets in this tournament for them. I don't know. It's very confusing. You know, is it? I think after the second game, we were wondering, is this the thing that breaks the hex? Right at the moment, it looks again like another flawed South African side. Um, but there's so many players in this team I like. And I like the fit of them together, even if I wish, you know, one of Maharaj or Rabada, uh, you know, was a Cummins level better, Stark level better. Um, but it's a confusing one uh, for me uh, at the moment. And then we've got Sri Lanka. The question I have for Sri Lanka is obviously their tournament is more or less over. And I, I've said before that if they, I think I said if they lost to Australia, they should be thinking ahead, you know, and really embracing the youth uh, part of this and, you know, getting their players as much experience as possible for the next World Cup, you know, the T20 World Cup. And, and, and so my question at the moment would be if, if I was working for them, I'd be saying to the coaching staff or the selectors, we thought we had a really good bowling lineup. Chimera and Hasaranga are not here, and Tikshana missed the first game. We certainly had two games where we bowled on absolute ro- roads. Do we know if this is a bowling attack that can get us through the ne- you know through to that next World Cup? Not all of these players will play in the World Cup. You know, I'm talking about the T20 World Cup. But is it worth them really sending those players out there, even getting you know? Awelalage and Patharana, you know, who are the two of the most exciting players they have to play, you know, give Patharana the new ball later in the tournament, see how that goes. Well, Lage as well. We, we know what Tikshana can do with the new ball. We, he doesn't need to have it. But are there ways that they can, I'm trying to think of the best way of doing it, um, have fun um, if, with, with that? You know, how do they, how do they uh, just mix it up a little bit to see what other things other people can do? Uh, I'd be really interested in that if, if that is something that they can um, do. Uh, with their batting, I mean, for almost two and a half innings, you would have to say their batting has completely outperformed what we thought it would, and then it reverted to tight. So was it just that they were batting on really good wickets? Um, is that is that all that Sri Lanka had in those first couple of games? And, and this is why we do things like the power list. And we don't, you know, rather than just looking at the points table, because... It does matter who you play and on wicked, what wickets you play on and everything else. And I think a lot of people were very excited for Sri Lanka's batting and that their bowling wasn't doing very well coming into this, you know, in this tournament so far. But you do wonder now, looking back, if it was slightly conditions-based. Um, uh, but I, I just want to see those youngest, uh, youngsters play um, from here. It's a um, really great opportunity for them to have a very, very high-pressure net is <laughs> maybe the best way of looking at it. And they're going to learn a lot of things in those games. And they're already a young team. They, I'm not saying they have to make masses of changes, but 
you know, maybe, maybe even, I'm not saying changes, maybe what I'm saying is maybe perhaps lean into your T20 side a little bit more and see how that comes about and try players in slightly different positions, uh, see what you can do from that point of view. Anyway, that's me for Red Inca. Um, thank you very much. Remember, if you have a favorite podcast provider to give us all the stars that you can give us and recommend us and share us and do all those things. And the same if you're on our uh, Jared Kimber um, uh, podcast YouTube page, uh, it's obviously still a really, really new page. It's been doing great during the World Cup, uh, but we're looking to grow it as much as we can by the end of this tournament. So please share, like, subscribe, press the bell icon, everything else. And we've got our sponsors, of course, you know. Um, uh, you know, little things like um, uh, downloading the Wicket Cricket Manager app is huge for us. Uh, and it's huge for you. Oh, I mean, it might ruin your life, um, but I certainly I, I certainly see that as a bit... Um, a positive thing because if you're going to lose uh, lose parts of your life, most of all playing a uh, online cricket game on your phone. Uh, but also, but also, you know, um, uh, a big thanks to uh, HCL Tech as well for all their support. It's it's kind of cool that both of those companies have you know are involved with cricket. Nothing to take away from Surfshark, celebrate Surfshark and Manscape and all those other companies who have sponsored uh, have, have been a part of it. But it's really cool when we can bring on the cricket sponsors specifically and um you know obviously hcl tech are on the shirts uh, of the australian players and um uh, it's uh, it's a cool thing for us to to have that sort of thing um the podcast sponsors are great and uh, and all the support they give us is exceptional but uh we're trying to create something really really big here what we've created so far is a fraction of what i want uh, to be able to do going forward and you know the sponsorship as much as the patreon and thank you to all the patrons because they've made this um, so helpful buy me a coffee and super chats and all those things are really really helpful but it's a combination of all those things that we're looking um, at using going ahead so uh thank you again to the listeners the watchers the sponsors uh, and all the cricket teams for out there for playing some of their best cricket i'll be back tomorrow after the game uh and we'll be talking about india versus bangladesh uh which is uh one i cannot wait uh to get involved with so um it should be a cool little game, hoping that Bangladesh doesn't lose their top order um, and um, perhaps at least pushes India a little bit or at least stretches India in a direction we have not seen them stretched yet. Goodbye for now. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti Saina Paye and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Mukunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Feeling lazy about promoting your podcasts and videos? Memento FM has your back. Their seamless platform cuts and promotes all your content effortlessly. It's laziness approved. Try Memento FM today.